this is like the most profound thing that I've learned over the years is that like we're all human and we are people are people. We are connected. We share a lot. So, you know, what are, what are, you know, what are basic human fundamental themes? Like your, the love of family, protecting your children, um, striving to have a better life for them, pride, uh, dignity, what it means to have freedom. That is the voice of Emmy Award-winning British war correspondent Clarissa Ward, and she'll be giving us insights on dealing with fear, mental health, and much, much more on today's Super You podcast. So let's go, go, go. We choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they are I have a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Thank you for joining us for today's Super You Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Qualman, but most of you know me as Equal Man. Today, we're going to start today's show a little differently because of what's happened this week. As many of you know, across the country and across the world, there was another mass shooting. This one happened to take place at Michigan State University, which as many of you listeners know, is my alma mater. And a couple of weeks ago, actually, one of the, the greatest honors I've ever received was a phone call to give the commencement address at Michigan State University. So I'll be giving that commencement address coming up here in May. Uh, and it's with a heavy heart with what's happened here in the last couple of hours from a standpoint on the campus. Those who are not aware, there's a mass shooting, a shooter that, that killed three students and five others are injured. So our prayers not only go out to the families, but our prayers are going out to those that are fighting for their lives right now at Sparrow Hospital. And thank you to all the men, women, the nurses, the doctors at Sparrow Hospital uh, that have just been incredible uh, during this very difficult time. So everyone, if you could please say a prayer for not only those families, but also those students that are currently um, in critical condition at Sparrow Hospital in, in East Lansing, Michigan, where Michigan State's campus is. It is difficult. It's difficult. Um, you know, I mean, uh, it's tough. Uh, I mean, I was crying last night just thinking about it. As you read through the names of these three beautiful people, uh, they'll never get to talk to again. It's just a, it's just a heavy heart. But I'm going to read these three folks because just their incredible legacy that they're able to do in such a short time here. These students uh, started with Ariel Anderson. She was a junior from Gross Point, Michigan. Um, and as her parents said, I mean, as much as we loved her, she loved us and others even more, the family said. And she was passionate about helping her friends and family, assisting children and serving people. I think she actually took care of her aunt who had special needs. So she's not only going to school, but also taking care, living with her aunt, taking care of her. And Anderson was described as sweet and loving with an infectious smile. And she wanted to be a surgeon. And then there's Brian Frazier, a sophomore, who's also from Gross Point. Gross Point's actually where my mom's from. Uh, and it is, if you've seen the movie Gross Point Blank, it is that area. So it's Gross Point, and that, that high school's Gross Point South, which Brian Frazier's from Gross Point. And, and Frazier was a light that shined bright with love, leadership, and kindness. Uh, and that's from his church. Uh, Frazier was also the president of Phi Delta Theta Fraternity at Michigan State. So you can see just how much his 
his friends thought of him. Those, those positions aren't easy to come by, and those are voted on by your peers. Uh, Frazier was also on his high school swimming and diving team, and the team said that Brian had an infectious smile and a sense of humor that could light up the pool deck and bring laughter to the entire team, uh, the team said. And the third victim was Alexandria Werner, was a junior from Clawson, Michigan. Clawson's just a beautiful, beautiful part of the state, just as Gross Point is. And these are beautiful people from beautiful places. Clawson, Michigan's just between Royal Oak and Birmingham and Troy, for those familiar with, with those towns that might be better known. But it's it sits right in there. And uh, Werner was a beautiful, beautiful young lady who graduated from Clawson High School in 2020 and was a tremendous student-athlete leader. And she could have played sports at the next level, but wanted to focus on academics. And she exemplified kindness every day of her life, uh, the school district said. And if you knew her, you loved her. And we will forever remember the lasting impact she had on all of us. And so all those towns, not only East Lansing, Michigan State, but those towns across Michigan are, are holding vigils tonight and throughout the week. Classes have been canceled throughout the week at Michigan State University, as have all school activities. And there's a famous rock on Michigan State's campus that's often painted. And that rock was painted by students that said, how many more? How many more? That's a good question. So I bring this up because on this platform, and I apologize, you can hear it in my voice. I'm getting emotional because this hits home, literally, right home. But I bring this up because we want to say prayers. We want to do that, but let's do more than that. Let's just send into your Congress, man, your woman, send it in, Senator. Something's got to be done. This is the United States issue. It's not happening in any other countries. This is happening at an alarming rate. 67 mass shootings this year. More shootings than days. More shootings and more mass shootings than days. So whatever you think the solution is, whatever we're doing right now is not working. So whatever your political slant is, it doesn't matter. It's what you think could solve this issue. But basically just say, we're not going to take it anymore. We got to do something. And so whether that's sending a note to your, send a note to your senator. Send a note to your congressman, your congresswoman. Send it in. And it's, what do you think it's about gun responsibility? Like Matthew McConaughey from here in Austin, Texas. He's from Uvalde. And you remember Uvalde? The shooting at Robb Elementary School that took 19 kids' lives and two teachers' lives. He said to call for gun responsibility. Or it's mental health. Maybe it's that's where the approach is. Maybe it's both. But whatever you think the right approach is, let's get off our hands and, and send, we want our hands up for prayer, but also let's use our hands to type in, to send in, to write in, to take action so that we can kind of slow this down, slow it down. 67 mass shootings, more mass shootings than days in the year. So for this platform, that's why I bring it up. It hit home for all of us and just can't think what the families are going through as a dad it's as a parent that's your worst nightmare for something like that to happen and so we take a moment of silence here for a second and then we'll get back into it god bless we're going to continue with what the program we had scheduled for today we're doing our best here today to to get that to you as 
normal as can possibly be. Uh, but it's not normal. It's interesting because we are going over things with Clarissa Ward as a war correspondent. Ironically enough, it seems like that war zone's here in the United States uh, with the with everything that's happened with these mass shootings. And so again, I implore you to take action. Let's do something. Let's do this together. Do this together as a community, as a country to solve this, to slow it down, at least slow it down as McConaughey says. And Whatever that approach might be, it might be multiple approaches, but let's start to, to slow this down. And so what we're going to talk about today with Clarissa Roy is going to give us insights on not only mental health, but also fear. And so those that don't know Clarissa, she's a British war journalist and foreign correspondent, and she currently works for CNN as a chief international correspondent covering major international news events and reporting from conflict zones and hotspots around the world. Before joining CNN, Ward worked for CBS News and was a foreign correspondent for ABC News. She has won several awards for reporting, including she has a George Polk Award, an Emmy, and an Overseas Press Award. So without further ado, let's continue the show with Clarissa Ward. Now, before we get into it, Clarissa, we love to play the height game here. You're 5'11", which probably comes in handy sometimes on your job and probably less handy if you're trying to hide within these war zones. Uh, but a good question that most of us have, our listeners have, is you know, how, do you, how, do you, how did you learn the job? They don't really have war correspondent, at least I don't think so, as a major at universities. One of the first things that you realize quickly is everybody feels fear in a war zone. And there's a sort of myth about the swashbuckling war correspondent that you don't feel fear and that you're a daredevil and that you're addicted to the adrenaline. But actually my experience with most of us has been that you really do feel fear and fear has a huge importance evolutionarily. It's a good thing to feel fear. It instructs you to get out of dangerous situations. It's really about how you respond to fear and how you deal with fear. And some people are prone to really panicking in a situation where they're fearful. That can be very dangerous in a conflict zone. Other people like myself tend to get very quiet um, when they're afraid, which is actually more of an attribute in a war zone because you can work with that. You can, you can channel that into um, being calm and cool and collected and, and getting done what you need to get done. So I think I quickly realized that even though I was very afraid, particularly going into Iraq, which at the time I went into Iraq in 2005, it really was, even the drive from the airport was considered to be one of the most dangerous roads in the world. It was incredibly dangerous. And Western journalists and Westerners of, of, of all walks of life were being actively targeted um, by the insurgency. And even if you went out with US soldiers, you were being targeted also um, by IEDs, improvised explosive devices. So it was incredibly dangerous and I was very afraid, but I also understood that I was able to deal with the fear. And so that's, I think, the first inkling that you have that like, maybe I can be good at this because even though it frightens me, it also excites me and it interests me and I'm able to more or less contain my fear. I mean, it's such a unique vocation. I'm curious, how did you learn a job like this? The did, did you learn it on the job, on the job training? Did you have mentors, both, other? 
Well, I mean, it's the same sort of idea in the sense that like no one really writes a manual for you on any of this stuff. So you find yourself in very intense situations. And my way of coping with that was to, and I would encourage all of you who are interested in journalism to do the same, is, or any career, frankly, but you find mentors. So you find people who have real knowledge and expertise in a field that you are interested in pursuing, and you ask to shadow them, you spend time with them, you ask them questions, you observe them. And that's really the best way to learn. There's never gonna be a production manual that's gonna say, okay, what do you do when it's a suicide bombing? All right, oh, that's page 63, okay, this is what we do. It doesn't work like that. Now on the surface, your job sounds amazing, you're traveling the world, you're where all the news is happening, but there are many days that I'm sure, and maybe even weeks, months, where really the devil's in the details. It's tedious, it's a grind. It's as Steve Jobs might say, it's painting the back of the cabinet that someone might never ever see, but painting the back of the cabinet is super important for the entire collection of that cabinet, the entire whole of that cabinet. Now, how do you have the mindset to complete these less sexy things, these tedious things? Because I certainly would like to know, and all of our listeners would like to know, because all of us have to do some of the things that we don't want to do that sum up to the whole, these tedious, less sexy things. How do you have the mindset to do that? Obviously, a lot of what you're going to do on a daily basis is not very romantic. It's making sausage, okay? And it's like, this is what happened, this is what we know, and this is what he said, and this is what she said, and this is what's supposed to happen next. Back to you, Chuck. You know, and like, and, and that's, and like, you'll also be doing a ton of stories where you're like, this is boring. I don't really care about this story. That's lazy though. You have to be like, okay, I need to find a way to get into this story. I need to find an angle that is interesting. I need to talk about it in a way that can be compelling. I remember doing a story in Baghdad and it felt like we'd done a thousand of these stories. They were like young guys, like local militias who had signed up to help the Americans. And I was saying to the cameraman and the correspondent, I was a producer at the time. I was like, this is so boring. We've done this story a hundred times before. I don't want to do it. And they were like, don't ever talk like that again, because your job as a journalist is not to be jaded, which is really easy, by the way, because, you know, once you've been doing this for a long time, you do get jaded. Your job is to tell it every time with fresh eyes, like it's new, like it's important, like it's vital and make it a good story. And sometimes you're gonna need to take a break and stuff because you can't bring that level of energy. You can't bring that level of freshness to a story. Um, but you have to accept that a huge amount of what you do will not be glamorous. It will not be exciting. It will not be romantic. It will be just good old fashioned dissemination of information. And that's okay too. That's like your, that's your meat and potatoes. And, and, and most of what you do will be about that. Now, you're the face that we see on television. You know, we're the ones that we see, but we know there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Is what you do a team sport? And how important is it to be a, a team player to make sure everyone's involved and gets the recognition, the credit, the support they deserve, whether it's what you do as a war correspondent or what we do, whether it's a school teacher whether it's a principal, whether it's a CEO, whether it's an entrepreneur, how important is it to be a team? 
I feel that any member of the team is a member of the team. And it doesn't matter if you're Ukrainian or Afghan or American or British or French, it's, it's, you're a member of the team. So whether that's about who gets to wear body armor, right? Body armor is hugely expensive and it's a real pain to schlep around, but you always wanna make sure you're carrying enough body armor for everyone in that vehicle to be wearing it. And everyone. And similarly, you wanna be making sure that when you're making a decision to go to the front line, that everybody in that vehicle is comfortable with that decision. And if anyone is not, then you turn around. And it's really that simple. And it's not even a case of, you know, altruism. It's also about like your driver knows a lot better than you do what the lay of the land is. And so you should listen to them. And I think that fundamentally, of course, you bear a responsibility for the people who are risking their lives to work with you. Um, not just when you're there, but beyond. Are they facing any threats uh, because of their work for you? Um, I've had situations where I've had to get people out of the country for a while, not in Ukraine, um, but in other situations. In Afghanistan, part of the reason we evacuated when we did, which was you know a little earlier than maybe ideally I would have liked to, but we knew we had to get our, our local producer, Shafi, out. And he didn't have the luxury of like hanging around for a few more days to make sure he really did justice. He needed to get out. And so that was the most important thing. So that's what we did. We got him out and other people who were working in the house where we were staying as well. So that has to be at the forefront of everyone's minds. Um, ethically, you do have a huge responsibility and also just be sensitive, okay? Because yes, as you said, I get to leave. They don't and sometimes Local producers are working with teams back to back for like months on end without getting a break. What kind of PTSD are they going through? What kind of burnout are they going through? Like look after people, make sure they're doing okay. Check in with them. Um, I always make it a point of even if I'm not working with, you know, uh, any one of like, you know, CNN has a lot of local producers in Ukraine. Whenever I see them, sit down, have a coffee. How are you doing? How, how is your family? Be a human being. Because it's not just about, let's get this story on air, let's crush this, let's do this, let's, you know, which is important, right? That is the fundamental mission of what you're trying to do is get these stories out. But never forget that your job transcends what you put on television or put on the, the front page of the paper. Your job is to listen to people's stories and to be open to their experience and to take it all on board. And whether that's interviewing President Zelensky or whether that's having a conversation with your local producer about how his family is doing, in my mind, it's equally important. It's different, but it's equally important. Mental health, mental health. Obviously in the war zones, people come back with PTSD. It's a big issue, but it's not only just for people who go in the war zones. I mentioned in the opening, of today's show with a heavy heart that we've had mass shootings, 67 mass shootings, more mass shootings than days already this year. It's a big issue, mental health across the board. It's not just with mass shootings, it's mental health with suicides. It's a, it's a big, big issue across the world, but especially here in the United States. 
Now, someone you have to, it's front and center for the job that you have, the vocation that you've chosen. So I thought it might be helpful. How do you deal with mental health? So it might help all of us out here, especially this week. How do we get our arms around this thing? The reality is that even though we're all aware of it, it's like the elephant in the room, war correspondents do not talk about this stuff. They just, maybe when they've had like 20 tequilas, they're like, yeah, felt a bit ropey after that lost trip. But like, basically there is still a taboo around it. And I feel very strongly that there is no way you do this work for over a decade and emerge completely unscathed. Now that doesn't mean you're necessarily suffering from severe post-traumatic stress disorder, but what it does mean is that there needs to be awareness about what you're doing, what you're getting into, and there needs to be kind of preemptive self-care. You need to be kind of looking down the road. Okay, I feel okay now, but why don't I start talking to someone or writing about this or thinking about this? in advance so that I'm kind of on top of it because what happens to so many journalists, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then it's like, oh wait, I have a serious substance abuse problem and my family is falling apart and I can't sleep. I wonder why. Now you've been fortunate and also I say unfortunate because those that travel know it's not always as glamorous as it seems, but you've been able to travel the world. I've been fortunate to speak in 56 countries. I'm wondering if there's universal themes you've seen across all the places you've traveled. For example, a universal theme that, that I believe in is that the 56 countries I've gone to, the one thing that seems the same is that sound of laughter. It's the sound of laughter on these playgrounds, these children's playgrounds, and the families that are there at the playgrounds just wanna have a happy, healthy life, a happy family, a safe family. In these playgrounds, you hear that laughter these playgrounds all look the same and they all sound the same. And so I often question, how are we at war when at the young age, it's in our DNA to somewhat want the same things in life, the same themes. We want a happy, healthy life. We want a family. We want to be surrounded by our loved ones. Are there universal themes that you've encountered? This is like the most profound thing that I've learned over the years is that like we're all human. And we are, people are people, we are connected. We share a lot. So, you know, what are, what are you know, what are basic human fundamental themes? Like your, the love of family, protecting your children, um, striving to have a better life for them, pride, uh, dignity, what it means to have freedom or not, what it means to strive for something better like you find these themes that that resonate with people all over the world regardless of, of where they're from or what color they are or what religion they are and and then you work out how to tell a story around that you find a strong character you find a a, a strong moment or circumstance that is is a microcosm of the larger story and you go from there. And, you know, in the back of your mind, I, I, I forget who used to tell me, you got to pretend like you're talking to like your grandmother's friend in like Minneapolis or wherever. I mean, 
Minneapolis this is a random example, but, and you're, you know, sitting in a diner with her and just telling her, you know, and she's never left the U S and you're explaining to her why this matters. Like, why do you care about this? Make it real to her and make it simple, not like simplistic, but, clear, accessible. Don't start bombarding her with the sort of alienating, overly intellectual or geopolitical jargon that she can't mm. really grasp or that doesn't resonate with her. Use, use simple, clear language and tell a good story. Now, I have to imagine it's important, especially with such a draining vocation as you have, for, for us to fill our tanks. So, I mean, you've got to a very draining vocation. I know that I have to fill my tank with what I do that's not nearly as strenuous and stressful as what you have to deal with. And our listeners out there, it's important for us to, to fill our tanks. It's why taking vacations are important. We need these breaks. Uh, they're essentially for us to not only being sound mentally, but also it helps us be better at what we do. Those breaks help us reset and get that fresh mental break so that we can actually become better at what we do. A lot of us have the falsehood that it's like, I gotta keep grinding, I gotta keep on this. But you need these breaks as well. You need those breaks to kind of reset. And I gotta get better at taking those breaks, those vacations, or even those mini day breaks where it's like, look, I'm not even gonna deal with work today. I'm just gonna kind of take that mental break. Walk us through that if you don't mind. You can't not feel guilty if you go to these places and meet wonderful people. And at the end of your three weeks there or your three days there, whatever it is, you are able to get up and get on a plane and leave and go back to London. Or maybe you're going on holiday somewhere nice with your friends all because you have a little blue or red passport that gives you this preferential status in the world. And it's completely arbitrary why you were born into this body, this country, this family, why you have this passport that allows you this freedom and why somebody else has a passport that means that they're relegated uh, to this conflict zone, that they don't have the opportunities that you do, that they face far more danger than you do. And I think when you really are confronted by that profound injustice on a regular basis through your work, it takes a while to be able to get your head around um, the unfairness of it. And you do feel guilt and you do feel how can I experience joy or uh, allow myself to laugh or enjoy a delicious meal or a glass of wine or a beautiful view or time with friends and loved ones in a secure and happy environment when the people I was with last week are still being bombarded day in and day out? And so this is something that I think a lot of people who do this job really struggle with is, is, is survivor's guilt or the guilt that comes with this privilege. And Ultimately, you have to make peace with the guilt and let it go because it doesn't serve you at all. And if you're not able to, in those moments of respite or break from conflict zones, enjoy yourself, enjoy your family, enjoy your loved ones and sort of fill up the tank emotionally, then you won't have the energy and the, and the sort of longevity to keep going back and telling these stories. Well, that's a good one to end on. Uh, mental health, obviously, in the news in the news everywhere. And so hopefully we can help. We started things off and we want to, we're going to end things here by playing the Michigan state fight songs, just as a tribute to the Michigan state community to hopefully help some of their healing. But, um, my hope is that you're mentally okay. There might be someone 
in your life that needs that help mentally. So help them out. And in some instances, there's people that that need to be reported so that they can get that help. Even if they resist it, it's just to help them and not only help them, but help these communities stay safer. So I don't have all the answers. The only thing I know is that do what you can. Do something. Hopefully this show helps you get through this week and hopefully you take some action as well. But this show is produced by Jake Brin, Maritza Gutierrez, and Kelsey Gomez. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the show. You make it all possible. You make it all possible by tuning in and listening. And thanks for all your encouraging emails and texts and social media posts that you send in about the show. Obviously, if you want us to do something more, to dig into something, have a certain guest on, highlight a certain guest, answer a certain topic, keep those coming in. We'll make sure we get those addressed as soon as we can. But until next time, this is Equal Man reminding all of us, it's not what we take from the world, it's what we leave behind. Super, 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 you. 